Hey, what's going on? How we doing? It's Mike Appeller, nicknamed Musa, host of something like the All Season Podcast. Excited about this episode. I think we have the best of both worlds right here. We got my brother, Jarrell Worthy, All-American in college, second-round draft pick, Packers. We actually trained together, heading out for the Combine. All-world in high school. Story, decorated career, athletically, phenomenal. What's even cooler is what he's doing now like literally helping build stadiums, right? Like he's talking to city councils, senators, presidents, presidential candidates, if you will, right? So really excited and work there. And I think some of the messages that come through in this one that are really, really strong, A is resiliency. He endured a number of different injuries and setbacks that kind of would have precluded him from being successful uh, in any other world, but not for him. Uh, the other thing that we talk talk about a lot in this one is community, right? And more so the community of sport and how it kind of impacts his role right now. It's a great pod, man. Lots of jokes. It's funny as always. Appreciate you all for tuning in. And you guys know what to do. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, all the different platforms and all that type of stuff. It's in the comments section. Appreciate you all so much. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It's giving you football and it's giving you life. Have a good week. God bless. Right, big worth. Here we go, baby. The big four. First question: What was the moment in high school you knew you were destined for college, and what was the moment in college you knew you were destined for the L? All right. So breaking down, it was like a. I was kind of like a bitter, bittersweet moment for me. Um, during my time uh, at high school, I went to Wayne High School in uh, Huber Heights, Ohio, or a little suburb outside of Dayton, Ohio, whatever. I had an opportunity to go uh, compete at the Ohio State. Uh, prospect camp. So this was this was kind of me flying under the radar. Uh, no one knew like like who I was at the moment. You know what I'm saying? They didn't know you know what I'm saying my name or anything like that. And there were some big time recruits there. But you know me, man, I got a heart of a lion. So you know I just kind of you know for me, I went out there, man. I gave it up my gave it my all. Um, I went out there and I embarrassed some really premier some some premier dogs. And so. You know, growing up, Ohio State was about 45 minutes from the crib. So it was kind of like something that was like, man, okay, you can go up here and you can show out in front of these guys. You can, you know what I'm saying, you can essentially play anywhere. And, man, I did that, and it was kind of cool because I got a chance to walk in. Uh, you know, I kind of won MVP at the camp, and, you know, I had this one-on-one with Coach Trestle. And, you know, at the time, you know, us coming out of college at this time, like, Coach Trestle was hot. You know what I mean? They, they, they went out. Sweater vest, crazy. Oh yeah, sweater vest king. They went out. They popped. They popped. Probably one of the greatest, greatest college football teams known to man in Miami. And so you know, the amount of dogs that they had from that national championship game. I think, I think everybody from both sides of the football got drafted. And so, man, it was you know I mean like you get a you get a little nod from them you know. And so man, we we had a conversation. I talked with Trussell one on one. I left that conversation. First of all, my head coach had paid for for me to even go to the camp. My head, he kind of, you know what I'm saying, he was investing in me and taking some chances on me to kind of really, you know, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself at the moment. Even though, you know, you, you kind of in high school, you feel confident. But at the end of the day, it's not, you don't you don't really feel confident until you start getting, you know, the real written letters or you getting the, 
the one-on-ones like I'm, you know, like I'm sharing right now with Coach Trestle, and that kind of really stood out for me. And so when I got a chance to go back to school, you couldn't tell me nothing, dude. I'm look, I, <laughs> I'm up, I'm up early. I'm at the five a.m. Look, I'm trying to get an extra lift in. I said, look, I'm telling look, I, and that's and that was the thing, man. You had the Buckeyes, hometown heroes. You know, everybody wanted to go there. I mean, I mean, everybody wanted to bleed the scarlet and gray at that point. And so really that kind of fueled my confidence, bro, from, you know, that junior senior year on, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, obviously the story ends up, I didn't necessarily end up going to Ohio State. You know, they kind of went in another direction. You know, Glenville was really hot at the moment. And uh, Ted Ginn, right? That's all those guys. Ted Ginn Sr. had the whole, he had the pipeline. He had the pipeline up to Ohio State, you know, had Trussell on a man on speed down basically. So, you know, they had a couple guys that, you know, in quote unquote, they deemed that they were, you know, better prospects, you know, coming from Glenville and everything like that. But long story short, man, you know, Coach D'Antonio, the, the defensive coordinator who was on that uh, Ohio State uh, team to beat Miami, he was the head coach, new head coach at Michigan State. And so, you know, being from Ohio, I still felt plugged in, you know, when I signed on uh, with Michigan State, man. So it was really a it was really a dream come true to kind of play for a coordinator that understood, you know, my skill set, what I brought to the table. You know, he compared me to a few of the guys that were, you know, making plays back then. And so for me, it really it really hit home and it was something that kind of felt special for me. And and so, man, that whole offseason, like I told you, man, I was up early. My uncle, you remember Uncle Chuck, man, he was on me. Uncle Chuck was on me. So, I mean, for the most part, bro, he had me out, you know, early mornings, late nights. But it, it just became a part of the process, man. And that's kind of what stood to me. And and once I got that first first few letters, the written letters. You know, obviously there was ones that got typed up. Everybody got the ones that, you know, came through the automatic sender and everything like that. But you get that you get that coach to take the time out, put that little, you know, I would say that little autograph on and everything like that. You really knew you was in there. So, you know, that that kind of would I would say really stood out for me. And then when I got a chance to, to you know, get to the to, to college, um, I set out that first year, man, because I was coming off an ACL injury uh, my senior year. And that was something that's something that kind of really set me back because what was so funny is I ended up playing in the All-Star game, the Big 33. But I was like I was like seven months removed from ACL surgery my senior year that, in January. And I ended up playing in a in an All-Star game in like in like July. It was bro. I, <laughs> first of all, obviously, giving given the times we were in. Uh, it was it was the Big 33. It was one of the most like prestigious high school games, Ohio versus Pennsylvania. That year, Terrell Pryor was scheduled to compete in it. So for me, my whole my whole mindset is, look, I got to you feel what I mean? I'm trying to show out and, you know, make plays. And, and it was and it was dope for us, man. But uh, we ended up winning the game and it was it was cool. But, you know, for us, I would say I think it really set me back a little bit just a couple months because, you know, I went out there and I could play. I could I can compete. Um, in the best of the best in the high school level. But once you went up, once I stepped on campus that freshman year and I'm going up against, you know, three, four year letterman guys that were all Big Ten at one point, like, nah, yeah. So I had a red shirt that freshman year, bro. I had to get, had to get that knee right, bro. And, and I mean, and thank God I did, man, because, you know, that next year I ended up making freshman All-American. It was something that was really, really dope for us. And I would say that year, that first year humbled me a lot. Because uh, I went through an in, I went through an uh, ineligible period uh, just due to the simple fact of some transcripts. So coming out of high school, my first my first my freshman year, I went down to a Catholic high school, and uh, it was downtown Dayton, Ohio, Shamanah Julian. They actually had some big time recruits. They really were just all about 
you know what I'm saying? Football, basketball, it was, you know, it was, it was one of the cream of the crop. So we went down there uh, that first year didn't necessarily work out for us. And I ended up transferring out my sophomore year to a, to a high school, to Wayne high school, the one I ended up graduating from. But from my, I guess from some transgressions, my freshman year between, you know, financial and, you know, school and things of that nature, man, there were some, there were some, some unpaid, you know, fees or whatever. And they basically waited up until I got all the way up to Michigan state for where they said, Hey, we're not sending these transcripts. And so for the first, for the first maybe three or four months of me being on campus, I wasn't even allowed to be with the team. So I was, man, I was flying under the radar, like on campus working out, but I couldn't be with the team. And so bro, I felt it was, it was some isolated moments that really, really kind of fueled the fire, bro, to like me trying to get out the water and me trying to get out the, you know, the mud a little bit. And, and bro, that's what led to that fresh, that, that next year going crazy. All because, year. Like, I know after, that, I, you knew. after that, after freshman year, you knew. I knew. Cause it, I mean, cause it, bro, cause it was like, bro, listen, I'd have been in the dark. Like, you know, you know, the Batman movie, like, Oh, you're born in the darkness. Like that was like that whole, that whole essence was me because Man, it was funny walking around. It was just it was crazy just walking around campus and like you seeing your teammates and like you talking to them and you chatting it up with them. But I can't go be a part of the group lips or, you know, what I'm saying like the team meetings and getting the extra knowledge. And so, like, I had to go back to some old roots, man, and really studying some film and studying some old stuff and trying to kind of teach myself a little bit based off the principles that I had learned through high school, um, at least for those first three or four months, man. But. But I had a pretty good, uh, you know, my mom kept me strong. Pop kept me strong. Um, Uncle Tuck, you already know, Uncle was yeah. just, you Uncle know what I'm saying? Home. Like, shoot, get your workout in, stay locked in. And I because at the end of the day, their whole thing was, man, they, they didn't want to see me back at the crib. Like, you know, right. and that was, you know, how where we come from, man. Like, regardless whether it's, you know, New Orleans or down, you know, Dayton, Ohio, that stuff is rough, bro. So yeah, any chance you get a chance to get out and go do something, see something, like everybody trying to, trying to push you out the door. Like, you know what I'm saying? So. Exactly. And so that brings me to my next one. Question number two, who was the toughest comp that you faced? Because you, you were at the Big Ten when it was like, it was arguably right there with the SEC a little bit. The like old, the the old line for sure. Something close to the SEC. So yeah. who was the biggest comp that, that you played against? So in, I would say in college, Man, it, I, it was two times. So I'm, I'm going to throw a couple out there. So college in the league. So coming out during that time, man, the Big Ten probably has some of the best O-linemen in the country. Wisconsin's whole O-line, I think, when they got Russell Wilson, I think they, bro, they became like, it was like, bro, <laughs> it was it was so funny, like taking like a creative player on Madden and kind of just putting him with the best O-line because, you know, Russell was so efficient. Uh, coming over from NC State that last year, man. And we ended up playing them boys twice that year. And uh, the first time we beat them in a Hail Mary uh, at Michigan State, it was crazy. That was the Hail Mary pass where Kurt threw that thing up. And, you know, my boy Keith Nickel came down with it. And it just was a crazy, you know, it's, you know, a crazy ordeal, man. That was a that was a wild time for us. But then we ended up seeing them later on in that in the year in the Big Ten Championship, man. And, and, and you know, they ended up getting the best of us, which – you know, it was kind of messed up for us because, you know, we ended up losing that game by us hitting the punter and it never and we never hit the punter. So we ended up running under the punter. We ran underneath the punter and they threw a flag, bro. And we returned the ball all the way down to like the three or four yard line on the punt return. So we got the ball back. What was so funny, bro? We we got the ball back. We did our job on defense. It was like a minute under two minutes left or whatever. 
bro, we, instead of, you know, a coach calls, he goes for the block, you know, and things of that nature. But Kurt was hot, though. Kurt had ran off, like, three straight touchdowns, was lit. And, man, we end up, man, we end up, you know, I guess roughing the the punter, bro. And that's how they end up, you know, going on to the Rose Bowl and whatnot. But I would say between, you know, those those two guys in Wisconsin and then the SEC, when you bring in SEC, is our bowl games against Alabama. So we ran into some, man, there was a couple times we ran into those SEC teams. Uh, we, you know, where they got the best of us, the ones that I competed in, I ended up splitting down the middle. So Alabama, I, I we lost to, but then we ended up beating Georgia my, my last year. And bro, it was, it was, it was some good old linemen, but it, I would say the physicality in, in the Big Ten was a little tougher than just the overall athleticism that you saw from like some of the SEC linemen. So there was guys that like, you know, for a fact, if they, if we run in power, we run in ISO, like in the big 10, you know, okay, this is what I'm getting four quarters, right? SEC, they might do it a quarter and then they, you know, we throwing that thing out on the edge and we got speed and it's, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, going through that experience, bro, it was, it was, I mean, we ran into some really cool dudes, man. Um, you know, uh, let me try to see, man, that kind of end up, man, they Chance, hold, they hold. Chance, yeah, they hold. Chance with Bama, what was, his, was his name Chance? Chance Womack? Yeah, so Chance was there. Um, ben Jones was there. He had won the little the Outland center. Trophy yeah. that year. I'm trying to think of my man who ended up playing out in uh, – he played out in San Diego, big fella. Um, he kind of jumping my – he kind of blowing my brain a little bit, man, because he, he ended up playing out. He played in San Diego and played in Seattle at one point. Uh, but he was, a, he was a pretty good old lineman, man. Um, he was, uh, I think it was uh, – I think it was yeah, – DJ Fluker. Was it Fluker? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So him, yeah, he was nice. oh, man, we had, man, they had some, they had some dogs over there, bro. They, they had some dogs. And so okay. it was just a different dynamic with, with speed and athleticism as compared to just straight, right. like, wow. Hey, I'm, I got a neck roll on and you already know what time it is. Like, you feel what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I so, I I mean, so those were probably the two, two best O-line, two best O-line groups, bro, that, that I would say I played against that was highly competitive. You know, Iowa comes in at a, at a slick third because, you know, they had three or four O-linemen go first two, three rounds, and they had some of – they had the best tight – they like tight end you. Like, Iowa is tight end you. So, they had some of the best tight ends that blocked run. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Them boys was – them boys was nice. And, you know, they beat us. Actually, they beat us, actually. We were number five in the country, went out there on the road. They they popped us. I was hot. We was hot. Filthy. That's hot, Filthy. bro. But, but no, nah, it, it was some good competition, man. So that, yeah, just kind of yeah. Like if I if I had to say like in the league though, San Francisco, I would say San Francisco when they had Kaepernick, Alex Smith, you know, they was probably the, one of the most physical teams in the National Football League. Uh, you had Mike Ayupati, Joe Staley. That's probably the toughest double team to like you know fight fight against. Uh, Frank Gore, Vernon Davis. My rookie, bro, this is my rookie year. First Crabtree, Crabtree. Look, th- and this was so funny, bro. This our rookie, this was our rookie year, uh, pal. So we go in there, man. And well, this when the uh when Cap came in. This when Cap, this when Cap just <laughs> bro, this when Cap became Cap, bro. So because we played them in week one. Played mm-hmm. them in week one. They had Alex Smith, right? They beat us, but it was like, man, okay, these dudes just I, I, like first of all. You go to pregame warm-up, you like, okay, we lift. We, you know what I'm saying? We in Green Bay. We we in shape. Bro, you go out to pregame warm-up versus that San Fran team at the time, dog. You had Pat Willis, Swole, 
LeVar Bowman, Swole, Dante Whitner, Swole, bro, they had uh, Alex Smith, the safety, Swole, 38. 38, uh, um, man, uh, nah, man, uh, I'm trying to think, man. They had, they had yeah, Dante Monster. Whitner, um, the, the rest of the, the, both of the corners were swole. Parrish Cox was nice. Yes, bro, they had him. They had, you know, uh, Brooks, the other D lineman was, 55. he was swole. Uh, fucking McDonald was crazy out there. McDonald, bro, first of all, man, that, my man ended up going to, he got locked up just being too crazy. Couldn't lead the field. You know, he couldn't leave it on the field. He's just too aggressive. But my man, at the end of the day, was a dog out there, bro. You had Alden Smith and the other Smith. Bro, That listen, bro, unbelievable. Like, completely unbelievable, man. So, I would say that that San Francisco team, bro, that, that was kind of like my welcome to the NFL moment as well because – I was only scheduled when I first when I first got drafted to Green Bay. Like I was kind of coming in as a pass rusher when we first went through our preseason and and everything like that. I was really more situated for like long yardage situations, third down. I ended up changing my whole body composition, bro, because that was the picture that I had going in. Like now, if I kept my same routine like how I did in the Big Ten, I'd have still been three ten, three fifteen, and what I, bro, they had me cut weight. I'm down to like. 300 305 I'm moving I'm I'm moving but it's like you know dude the guy in front of me that plays in our base package got hurt second play of the game it is was that Neil? was that, was that um, Neil nah no. so this nah this this was CJ Wilson this is my dog CJ Wilson bro big, big so dog. yeah big dog bro big big ninja turtle big big Leonardo so that my dog bro he bro he would he got hurt second play of the game so now I'm in on the base package and the pass rush package rest of the game, bro. They, I ain't practice against them type of double teams all week, son. <laughs> I'm like, coach, first we had played this base 3-4 and all my teammates, BJ Raji, Ryan Pickett. Uh, I think later, later that year we got Johnny Jolly back uh, from, you know, reinstatement, uh, CJ Wilson. Every one of them dudes was 320, 330, big – you know what I'm saying? I'm out there like, coach, I can't play the same technique. I got to go back. To I said, I got to go back to my roots, coach. I, I got to get off the ball, coach. If I don't get no knockback, I'm getting knocked back, coach. Like, it's, it's, it's a wrap. But, I mean, we had some fun, bro. It, it was a, it, it was my welcome to the NFL moment, man. And, and, and to see, like, guys, bro, Randy Moss scored on us, hit us with the, with the little gates. I was like, oh, man, it's over with, bro. Like. I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah. Next question, though, this one where I really, where I really want to see this because I know you've seen a lot of ball. Who was the best player that you played with that you feel like never got a fair shake in the L or never got a fair shake in college that you were like, man, this brother or sister, like if they so, were given the opportunity, they would have went crazy. Man, this is so. Let I'm trying to think. Uh, so I had a, I had a, I had a dog, and I had a dog. He ended up making it to the NFL, but I just know at the for what the game ended up transitioning to, he was just a little bit ahead of his time. And so my dog, Keyshawn Martin, played a slot receiver for us in uh, at Michigan State, but could do it all, though. Like, when you turn on his high school tape, he came out of Inkster, Michigan. Uh, man, he was like Mike Vick. With, it was cra- His highlight tape was insane, bro. Like, coming out of high school, like, he was running all over the place. I'm talking about 92 yards, bop, bop, bop scrambling, drop back 30 yards. Um, you know, he came up to Michigan State and, like, he balled. But just for what our style was, we're really more of a, you know, we're running the ball 65, 60, 65% of the time. Even with Kirk Cousins, we play action pass and things of that nature. 
And so like he ended up getting an opportunity, you know, and but I just feel like if we would have if we even with the even with the stack, you know, receiver room we had in there, because Blair White made it to the league, BJ Cunningham, BJ, Mark I Bell, see BJ. Yeah. yeah. So like all of those guys end up making it to the league. But if we could have found a way to feature this this lightning in the bottle a little bit more, it would have been like he would have probably ended up going up like third round, you know, saying higher like that, because I just felt, you know, with the ball in his hands, Buddy was Buddy had moves and it was it was crazy because he didn't talk. Like Keyshawn didn't, bro, Key, bro, Key, bro, Keybo don't say nothing, bro. You be talking to him, like, yeah, yeah, I'm just chilling. Like, you know what I mean? Like he didn't say I'm talking about very few words, but if he cool with you, he rock with you, he rock with you, man. So I would say Keyshawn would probably Keyshawn Martin would probably be the one out of out of college that I would say for sure. And honestly, one of the teammates I played with in, 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 in the NFL that I still think, you know, has been, I would say, kind of left by the wayside is Tyrod Taylor. Just and that's just me because, man, I seen what, you know, when I got to when I signed with Buffalo, we had Shady McCoy, Sammy. I saw what it looked like when you had a dynamic quarterback like him with with those types of weapons. Like under, I'm trying to think, man, uh under under Greg Roman, we had the number one rush offense. But as far as like the deep ball down the field, like Tyrod Taylor had led the league in deep ball efficiency that year, bro. So he, you know, overall, Buddy was, I mean, like if he ever got a full term contract extension where a bro, team believed in, you know, his his full fledged ability and now we trying to add pieces. You know what I'm saying? He, he kind of, it's kind of like the Justin Fields to a situation to an extent. Like he wasn't, Tyrod wasn't like a crazy off the, off the map high draft pick like Justin, but as far as just the ability and what he's able to do with, with less than, right. You saw that earlier this year with they, when they did against Philly, you know, when they play in the big games, buddy show up, he be, you know what I'm saying? And, and if at the end of the day, if you got guys that can like rally with him, dog, like you can, you can win a lot of games. He's uh, always He's always been a dog, even like in Cleveland. The only time he really comes off is when he gets hurt. You know what that's I mean? The, that's the, the, I think that's the big knock on him. Getting hurt, he's probably, I hate to do, I hate to live in that world, but he's he up there. He, up, he, he at least, he's at least, I would say out of 32 teams, he would be, you know, with a fair shot, given the fact of, or just staying healthy. He's easily top 10, top 12 in the league, probably top 14. Um, if you want to, if you want to, you know, I would say, you know, give it a real scale, probably within that top 14 range, just given it's not necessarily always like, oh, he's throwing the ball 300 yards a game. Like he might give you 225 to 275, but he going to give you 85 yards on the ground. You know what I'm saying? He's not, he's going to be able to get your, get your team out of situations that, you know, third and long, second and long, he extends the play. I think that the big the big knock on him is, you know, when he does get hit, you know, he be coming out the game and that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the way it works sometimes. But 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 God given talent, man, he he's always on fire. So I would probably say Tyrod and and yeah, I'll probably say Tyrod uh out of anybody if I had to kind of just jump off the map for sure. Sincerely. All right. Fourth question. What is the nicest thing a coach has ever done for you? That question probably takes me back to like high school because I told you I tore my my ACL my senior year, so I so I, I'm kind of like a little little bit of a walking miracle, man. I, I don't know my my grandmother just prayed over me a lot, which is crazy because so I tore my ACL during two a days my senior year going in before the year, but I didn't know that I tore it. Uh, I didn't know that I had like a, a serious knee injury. I just thought I sprained my knee and whatnot, and I'm 
You know, I'm going about my my shit, you know, as, as routine as possible. But what happened was, bro, it ended up once I figured out that I that I that I got a tour, like this was during the time frame where like, okay, if you get hurt in high school, you damaged goods forever. You'll never get it, you'll never see a scholarship forever, right? So I'm talking to my high school coach, like, man, I gotta do whatever I can to continue to stay on the field and you know what I'm saying, and I need you to trust in me that I can, you know, get this done. And obviously it worked out because, you know, I ended up achieving all my accolades that I would have set out to achieve, even if I had a healthy knee, which is a blessing. But Coach D'Antonio, the reason why I love him so much is because, you know, he hooked me up with Dr. Colosimo, which was at the time the, the, the doctor or the medical surgeon for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, Coach D'Antonio was coming down. He was coming from you uh, from University of Cincinnati, signing on to Michigan State to be the head coach. And he still had those connections. And so, man, he looked out for me. And, you know, I guess the biggest thing is once I came clean, like, yo, man, coach, I've been, I, if you look at the tape, I've been playing with this injury all year, but I'm coming, you know what I'm saying? But I'm sharing with you that, you know, I don't want to, I guess, you know, be seen as damaged goods. And so the reason why I love him so much is because he, tra- he treated me like family at the time, regardless of, you know, what the circumstance was and he looked out for me. And so he got me the right medical treatment, you know, had me up there seeing the, the doctors at Michigan State University. You know, after after I signed and committed and everything, he had me like in the in the building and had me, you know, trying to get the best treatment. And this was before, uh, you know, this is before I'm even wearing the green or white at the time. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I was committed. I was, you know, I'm signed on the dotted line, but, you know, I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with this crazy injury that naturally, you know, takes opportunities away from players. And for him to just show that much faith in me and that much love in me, man, I'd I never let him forget it. Like I text him every year. I chat with him every year just to let him know, man, how grateful I am just for him giving me that opportunity. And so, yeah, bro, like, you know, and that's why I like fell in love with, with Michigan State, bro. It's a family. It was a, it's a family above everything else. And that kind of really, really stood out to me though. So I would say Mark D'Antonio, man, because at the end of the day, I would say like, if he didn't, if he still didn't show faith in me, like, I don't know where, I don't know where I would be at. Like I probably, I could have went to a JUCO or a smaller school and just, you know, been a knucklehead, but man, he showed a lot of faith in me, which I'm, I'm definitely grateful for. That's fire. That's fire. So, all right. Well, that's the big four. So unlike a lot of people who play, like myself, for instance, right? Like undrafted, we trained together coming out for the bond yep, for whatever yep. reason. I ain't yep. drafted, but I still squeeze out. I think it's, I think at the end of the time, you got to realize. So the one thing I would say about that is, is like the HBCU wasn't as, as thumping as it is now. Right. Like, like now the love and support is there where they understand like these guys can play it even like, especially from a skill position that they Mm. definitely can play on the, on the big stage. Like that dude can run, he can move his feet, be quick. Like I'm going to take a chance on him. And so I I definitely want to clear the air on that before we even, get it popping. That's the only, that's the only thing that, that held you back from not hearing your name called on that is just the love and the respect that they have for the HBCU. But they now see that that shit is there and that opportunity okay. is there. So, I mean, okay. so yeah, man, you, you definitely nah, like paved the way for some guys cause you balled and you stayed and you were sustainable in the league. So that's the thing that you got to make, make that, make that known. Yeah. Appreciate that. But you had, you know, you had a different journey. You get drafted second round. You play, play. You, you're in, a, you're in your career. I want to talk to you about like year six, like year mm-hmm. five, year six. Are you thinking about post ball at all? Because 
Well, unlike even guys who get drafted, we know people who are drafted in the first round, they were out year three. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? People who yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't really ever get to play. You've been playing the whole time. You never really had, like you talked about earlier, like mm-hmm. a red shirt year. Yeah, yeah, were yeah. Ever, <laughs> were you ever thinking about post ball like that, like in a serious way? So I would say at the time, from a from an entrepreneurial standpoint, no. I would say from a from a foundational standpoint, yeah, because I end up going back to school and kind of finishing things up. So, you know, you know, I end up I end up entering the draft as a junior. You know, mom and dad was kind of going through some things. You know, my dad had had a stroke during my during my time in college. And, and you know, mom Dukes was just, you know, mom so, Dukes is mom Dukes. So she was wow. she was trapping wow. and doing her thing. And, and I'm, you know, trying to make sure that everybody was was kept kept right. But I think the, during that fifth and sixth year, man, you know, I had went through, I had went through a series of injuries um, in the NFL that was kind of gruesome for me. I ended up turn, so I tore my ACL again, uh, my rookie year, which was a little tough. It was the other one, right? Uh, yeah, it was the other one. Yeah, it was the other one. So it was the left leg, bro. Two minutes left in the game, week 17 on the road. And basically we, we had the game won, regardless whether we win or not, we were in the playoffs next week, but we were trying to win to where we didn't have to play the Vikings back again the next week, which we end up losing the game. We end up playing them boys right back the next week. But it was those that injury. It was the herniated back is that uh, that I had to have surgery on. One of my one of my worst concussions uh, that I ever experienced during in Buffalo. Uh, I was unconscious for like ten seconds after like it's like a friendly fire trying to go tackle the quarterback. He goes to slide. You know, we got to jump over the top. So I'm jumping over the top. My safety come in. It's But it's preseason. This, first of all, this is my last series on the field, right? I'm coming out the game. I'm ready to, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm going to give me a little sack on this little. So I go do my little move. I go to, ch- I'm chasing buddy. He goes to slide. And then uh, one of my teammates came over the top and just basically hit me right at the corner of my helmet. And it kind of, it, it messed me up a little bit. And so I would say that Fifth, sixth year, like in that off season, was really time where I was like, man, hold on now, like, like I know I can compete and keep doing this, but if at any point in time this thing just like abruptly ends, like I need to be in a position where I can transition, or you know, what I'm saying I can have some type of leverage to move on. And I realized, like, you know, obviously we talked about having that paperwork, we talked about you know having that signature next to your name that lets you know, like, okay, I completed this task, like I'm not just an athlete. I completed this, you know, ordeal over here. And I would say that is the time where we end up deciding like, okay, I'm going to buy this house. Uh, we decided to move down here to Atlanta and, you know, try to get ourselves ingrained in the community. Cause at this point in time, regardless of whether, you know, whether you had a, you know, a, you're a one-year player or a contract guy, like, you know, it's, it's rare where you see guys just buying homes and stuff like that during the, during their time in NFL. So everybody's kind of I got a spot over here and then I got a spot over here. And I felt like, you know, we were at this point, we're having kids now. And like my daughter was born, she's a youngin. She's so I'm like, man, this is somewhere, somehow where I got some way, somehow I got to find like a, a way to transition. And that's where, you know, I went back, I completed my degree, which is awesome. But I kind of just started that notion. Like, man, I got to have something else to to pour into um, once this thing kind of comes to an end. So, yeah, man, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I was thinking it, thinking of it from a, you know, hey, I got to go run my own business and, you know, I got to get into, you know, business for myself. But I also was sitting there like, okay, well, if this thing ends, I need to have some options, you know what I mean? Whether or not, you know, returning back to my old school, you know, trying to get, you know, latch on with NFL program or really just doing what I ended up doing on the third tip was just kind of, you know, going out there and trying to see what was what's best for me and like what, 
what other things I would actually be interested in besides being an athlete. That's awesome, man. And I think for you, the thing I love about kind of how you're navigating this thing is you it feels like this is just me speaking. It feels like you got great balance, right? Like you got a gig where you get to travel. I'll let you talk about that. You got great family. We had we had JC on earlier. You know, what I mean, it won't, he won't make it to the video, but you know, he had to <laughs> no, no. Yeah. He's awesome, crushing it. Wife. And then you've got, you know, your flag football organization, mm-hmm. your team mm-hmm. and, and program right there. Tell me, once you stopped playing ball, was this the vision or did this just kind of naturally develop? You know what I mean? Because I feel like you're doing everything. You're like, you, your corporate, your professional job is still sports adjacent, but it's mm-hmm. not you like coaching. Yeah. You still got your fam, you're in a sports town, you got your kids and you got football, your own personal football, as much as you want to invest in. So just kind of talk me through how you got there. Well, man, so as far as, uh, you know, what I do now, man, I, so I, I do business development now for for a national contractor, uh, Keyword Construction. Um, I actually work under an infrastructure engineering group. And so I help lead our, our sports and entertainment uh, pursuits. And so it is honestly, you know, it's been a blessing in disguise just coming over to this this uh, opportunity for for a number of reasons. Uh, first and foremost, just as athletes, like we've always been bred and taught to kind of like have our blinders on, like we're dialed in on a singular focus. So at the end of the day, if it's not nutrition, if it's not game plan, if it's not, you know, getting my sleep or or tuning my body up like how I would tune up a sports car, you know, it didn't matter. Right. But now when that when that I would say that routine is broken, that routine is is is, you know, there's a new routine now. Right. That I'm having to that I'm having to work through. And I think the world of business, the world of uh, from the corporate side of things, it's eye opening to an extent because us as athletes, we're not always privileged to be in those rooms where those big time decisions are being made. You know, we're kind of more so, hey, once we get our orders, we got to go execute like a soldier to an extent. Where I'm in these rooms now where the money is getting decided, people are, you know, the communities that are being affected by, you know, these decisions that are made, like, you know, from a from a, a con- uh, from a construction standpoint, like it is it is very eye opening because there's some amazing projects in which, you know, I have an opportunity to be a part of, I have an opportunity to help support, but it's really the the outstanding process that it takes to get a shovel in the ground. And so meeting throughout the meeting with the people in the community, understanding, you know, why they want this project, why they don't want this project, you know, where they, where they allocate the money, like how that money gets allocated and, you know, where they, where it comes from. And, you know, somebody is going, you know, be a little less than somebody's going to be a little more than you feel me. And so just kind of going through that process is very eye opening, man, to realize that we've been entertainment for so long, right? Like we've been, on the biggest stage where, you know, where people are always kind of under a mic, we're always under a microscope. People are, are looking to us to be, you know, something that naturally our, our job doesn't necessarily call us to be like, they cause us to be the best athlete, but we get thrusted into being this role model, this leader or this decision maker. And so that same, that same image gets transitioned over to corporate. Like once you come with that shield behind your back, that NFL shield makes people they have more faith in you, you know what I'm saying, before they even see the amount of work you have. And so it's up to you to deliver. It's up to you to make sure that you kind of stay on task and make sure that you are you are really, you know, exceeding expectations. And so that's one of the things that I've learned since transitioning over um, to the corporate space and just realistically 
football has taught me, especially at the pro level, uh, I'm able to work with anybody from any different background, regardless of what your beliefs are, what my beliefs are, you know, where you come from, you know, what seasoning you use on your food, regardless. Like I'm, you know what I'm saying? So I've, I've been in a position where, you know, I've, I've taken every skill set of football and it's, and I've tried to transition that over to the corporate space, man, because what people don't understand, especially at that pro level, man, in order to, in order to even see that type of success, like you have to be visualizing and thinking years and years out, you got to know, you know what I'm saying? Um, what you're capable of and really what what you're willing to do to accomplish that. And it's no different on the business side, in the corporate world, man. I think, you know, if you have that vision for yourself and you stay consistent, you can win a lot. Um, because a lot of people face tough times and then they be wanting to kind of maybe want to cash out their chips. They wanna they wanna get up out of there. And, you know, and not necessarily that's not necessarily me. And so, you know, when I went through the NFL transition program, you know, I came aboard my 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 the company that I work for now in Kiwit. And it was just a very big challenge, bro, that I was ready to jump at and something that, you know, like I said before, it keeps me closer to the sports world, but it gives me a different perspective. You know, we've been, like I told you, we're like gladiators. We've been looking up at the crowd. You know, now I'm one of the guys helping the decision makers that are looking down on entertainment. And so it's kind of a, just a different avenue. And so I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for, you know, those opportunities. And yeah, I'm just trying to run away with it. What do you think coming out of college you wish you knew about corporate America that you think could have helped prepare you before you took on the gig? I, w- I would say the one thing that, so football taught me that, you know, to rely on the teammates and to be assertive. Um, but I think even in this corporate world, you have to be more assertive because there's going to be more things that you don't know than you do know. And you have to really chase that information, just like you're chasing the reps in the weight room or you chasing, you know what I'm saying, that film study, like you really got to chase and be out ahead and, and understand not necessarily like why is it going to be beneficial for you, but, but why would it be beneficial for them or not beneficial, you know, for the client? And so it's kind of, you know, for me, I think I wish I would have, I wish, you know, there's more opportunity throughout, you know, the football careers. I think they're starting to ingrain those types of studies and education now because of NIL and there's opportunities to get in and really teach young athletes uh, to really take control over, you know, themselves as a business, because you really are your own business. And, you know, if you can take your, if you can realistically take yourself to the next level, bro, each and every time it's going to, it's going to, you know, the more reps you get at that, like the higher you go, yeah, the higher you're going to go. And so, like, I think that that was something I would love, I would have loved to seen, I would have loved to have been part of during my time in Michigan State. I know that they have a great, uh, they have a great NIL program and they do that stuff now. Darren Harris out there is really good at it. But as far as like during my time there, I would have I would have loved to, you know, be pulled aside and say, hey, man, you know, if you make this amount of money and this and that, you could do X, Y and Z. And how about we pull this over here? And like, you know, once you get those evaluations to come back from the NFL, now you can start to make a little bit more of a of, of business plans and, and decisions and kind of, you know, get yourselves out in front learning about real estate at that time, because think about it. I mean, we were making, we were getting scholarship checks and it wasn't no money. It wasn't no crazy amount of money, but just thinking about if I would have knew that I could have, you know, go to the stock market at that time or thinking about at that time, if I would have knew that, you know, I could take this $2,000 and I would have went down to to Lansing, Michigan in the hood. And I would have bought me a, a duplex for two twenty. you know what I'm saying? Like five you could, bands. You could get a lot. Yeah. You could yeah, get a lot. So, and you know, feel I me. Mean? So now it's like, you know, that type of that type of information I would have loved to to been part of. I would have loved to kind of have fall on my lap or, 
you know, just really take a direct journey on it because, you know, kids, I mean, bro, you go work out and then as an athlete, bro, we're done at four or five o'clock in the day. Like, you know, if, 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 you know what I mean? If I had something like, man, let me go check on my property over here. Like, you feel what I mean? Like, let me go do that. And, I, and those are the things that I really, you know, I try to share with my guys now is that, you know, you guys are in the greatest time of sports ever. Like, yes, it's chaotic, but there's also a plan that you can put your, you can have in place in order for you to be successful. And if you right. can see that, if you can see that all the way through, you'd be dope. Fire. And then that brings me, that brings me to the next part, man, is so we've got the corporate job, which is fire. How did you, thinking about getting in back into football, staying close to football, you're doing that with your corporate gig. Talk to me about the flag football. How did that get involved? And kind of just like, because I feel like it scratches that itch where it's like you're coaching, but you're not, and you coach high school, but you're not coaching like, you know, college, a league. Talk to me about first why you decided not to go straight to, you know, college, league, coaching, and then how this, how, how your, your program came together. Man, honestly, I just, I think God is always speaking to me, man. Like, yeah, I feel like it's always a, a easy thing for us to kind of, you know, go back to where we came from. And, you know, I could have been a part of Michigan State and I passionately love, you know, coaching football. I love being a part of the details. Um, you know, eventually at one point in time, I will return, you know, from a, I think from a, from a player personnel perspective, because, you know, my ultimate goal is to be a, a general manager. But I think as far as, you know, where God is leading me right now um, on this, on the business side of things is that, you know, for me, I'm learning so much about the world outside of sports and just the way things move. It's a reason why it's called a program. You know what I'm saying? Like when we're in sports, it's a reason why it's called a program because it's not something that you're, 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 you're expected to deviate from. You feel me? Like once you get involved in it, you're not expected to really go against the grain of it. And so for for that being said, you know, before I even put myself in a position like that, I want to soak up as much knowledge of of the world as I can, because, you know, now I'm dealing in the world of politics. I'm dealing, you know, uh, I'm dealing with city councils all the way up the U.S. Senate, you know, presidential candidates and things of that nature and understanding you know, what their views are for the community. And I feel like, you know, at this point in time right now, if it really is in my best interest to learn as much as I can so I can continue to share that information with my fellow colleagues. Like, and, and, and although, yeah, I have a job to do as far as, you know, winning, winning jobs for my company and things of that nature, but, you know, I also have a job towards my family, myself and my community. And so I have a, to be able to, to help them understand what, what is taking place and, and why people want to do certain things. I get a good joy out of, you know, people like, oh, I never would have thought of it that way. Oh, I never would have, you know, expected these people to do this or do that. And and this and it's not necessarily something that's detrimental, but it's just, you know, educating them on what's what's to come or what's actually taking place right now in their community. And you know how for us, bro, I think that's one of the biggest things is why they push push so much entertainment out in the world right now because they expect us to to fall into that. Like if I'm sitting on my phone and I'm watching that instead of, you know, reading a book or listening to an audio story, like, you know, I've wasted 20, 30 minutes of my day that I could have helped pouring into myself. Like I could have, you know what I mean? And so I think for what, for the communities that I come from and the people that I'm, you know, having a chance to interact with all the time, like, my position of where I am is is important and and being able to to I would say help grow a company that's been around since 1884 like I mean but being able to help continue the message right because everything is about diversity right when you have somebody you know have something that's been around for that long you know there's traditions that have been in place there's things that have been in place and you have to 
understand how to continue to navigate with that and work with that and, and be collaborative and show love because, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people within my company and my group that are actually really, really good people. And I, and I find, a, I find out a lot of interesting things about life and, and ways that I can kind of help, help better myself and help better my community. And so for me personally, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's trying to soak up as much as I can because I know like, you know, I can go teach a guy how to pass rush and how to attack, you know, via the neck. And, you know, I could teach this guy how to dip around the corner and, you know, run full speed. And, you know, I, I can motivate a player for that. But it's like, you know, once that once that job is done, man, can I help teach him on his taxes? Can I help teach him how to you feel what I mean? Like, you know, what you're voting on when you go down to the to the county office? Things like you feel what I mean? And so that's kind of you know, where I'm at now is like, like, dude, like it's a whole hidden gem of ways that we can, we can make money. And you, and you've already been around it, man. Like, you know, we were down in Austin and you see the growth, you know. like you see the growth you know. like in the way that everybody navigates and moves, man. And if, and, 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 and the reason why we get caught up so much is so much entertainment to slow us down. Like we got to block out that noise, bro. And that's, kinda, that's why I say your phone. That's why I say your pocket now. Yeah. You bring up, you bring up, you bring up a lot of a lot of great points, man. And and I think for you, I think you're the best person so far that I've had on the pod. I think to to deliver this one, that I'm gonna ask you this question. There are a bunch of cats. You like myself, you know, you get pinged. All these guys, you know, projected first, second round guys, and they're getting ready for the L and all this type of stuff. Knowing what you know now, the information that you have now. And putting yourself back in those shoes, because you you coming out, everybody's singing first round. What's the main piece of information or what's the, the biggest habit you think would have benefited you to put you in a better position than you are? And you're in a great spot right now. Make mm-hmm. no mistake. Everybody listens to this podcast. Big Worth is doing just fine. But <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Respect. <laughs> I ain't going to tap your pockets, but you're doing good. <laughs> but, but, what, but what would you tell that person who's got all these different things? Like you said, so many different messages, so many different people coming around. What are you trying to tell them? Um, I would just say be patient. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like, like be patient and prepare, right? Because, you know, the better you prepare, you know, when you have to have the decision, you'll stay calm. You know what I mean? And, you know, at the end of the day, like Peyton Manny said, like, like you only feel like, you know, like the world is on fire when you're not prepared. Like when you're prepared, you know, you can make every decision under duress. And so I would say constantly preparing. So understanding yourself, understanding your weaknesses. Uh, I think that was the one thing that I tried to, to you know, even like, you know, we talked with Shafi, man, like back in the day, like I, I, I pointed that out during our interview process. Like, hey, I'm going to highlight some things that I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm not good at because I don't want to get in there and just be selling myself as this golden child and not, you know, have no flaws. Like, and I, and I feel like they're at some point, they're going to call you out on that stuff anyway. But I would just say being patient and, and, and being prepared. So like having patience, you know, having patience doesn't allow you to make it an erratic decision, right? It doesn't make you, you don't, you don't go off being emotional and just go and make a choice and, and trying to put yourself, you know, behind the eight ball, it, you end up being, you know, set back 10 steps instead of, you know, falling back one step. Like if you're prepared, you could take a loss, but it'd be a, I'm back a step or two, right? If you're not prepared, that whole step go back, you, you basically starting over, right? So, so being prepared. So when I do have to make a, an aggressive decision, I'm making the most calculated decision, but also have patience to understand that every choice that I do make is not an emotional and, and quick decision. 
And so those are the one, two, the two P's, man. I'll probably put those, put those out there for sure. Um, I try to teach my son that a lot because, you know, he's actually really good. He's athletic and I'm, and he's, a, he's good at sports that I've never, that I had never attempted. Like, you know, soccer, a little messy out there. When we were six or seven dog, he was scoring, or he scored 42 goals in a year, bro. And I'm talking about, it was some good competition. I'm just, and I ain't know much about the soccer, but I'm out there, look like you, you would have thought I'm in the world cup shirt. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that was kind of cool, but you know, as he continues to grow and get older, like, man, have patience, man. Like realize that, you know, everything that it took for me to get to where I am, like, bro, that it took a lot of time and it was a lot of dark moments in which you had to really muscle up some strength to like move forward on. And I just don't want you to, you know, yes, it's great to dream big and to have these expectations, but realize the type of sacrifices you're going to have to go through in order to see that. Because, you know, bro, every road of success is, in most cases, it's a lonely road. Like, it's rare that you really, you know, have like a real just, I would say, happy, enjoying, you know, journey. Like, it ain't no yellow brick road. Like, it's really a, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's some it's some moments where, you know, you hit some potholes, you hit some curves. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to hit stuff that's really going to draw your, your, your ride a little bit. So, yeah, just being prepared, man, but also having patience too, man, because, you know, every decision, like, that's the one thing it seemed like in our world, it seemed like everybody is coming to you left and right with stuff to, to uh, make choices on. And you got to just stay patient, man, because, and, and then listen to God too, bro, because he always, in most cases, bro, like I would say 10 out of 10 times, he going to help you, you know, listen to that inner voice, bro. If it don't make sense, then you got to step away. And um, and I think that's one of the things that I kind of go back to, like with high school, bro, because as many accolades that I had in high school, there was some players that were better than me. Like, I, and I'm talking about, I made, I made some really, some really, ha- had some really nice accolades, but when I when I lined up, it was a guy next to me that might have been, you know what I'm saying, that guy, but just couldn't, you know what I'm saying, like really fathom it all and kind of bring it in like how I wanted to. And so, you know, that's I would just say that, bro, like having patience. It, prepared, yeah, for sure. I love it. I love it. Big worth, man. I don't know. This is a fire one. We got football blocked really? out and we got the business stuff knocked out. If somebody wants to find you, somebody wants to reach out to you, they love the story. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, yeah, man. So I'm I'm on I'm on I would say every social uh, media platform except for TikTok. I'm not really a TikTok guy, but but I'm on uh, I'm on IG um, at I am worthy underscore ninety nine. Um, my Twitter has been the same for a while. It's I underscore am underscore worthy ninety nine, and then um, and then my LinkedIn, man. I think that's probably you know, where we are now, bro, at this time of life is uh is just continuing to grow our, our business through that LinkedIn because, yeah. you know, the one the reason why I do love the LinkedIn portion is because you understand what you're getting. Like when you're having these conversations with individuals, like you know what they have, you know, you kind of have a small understanding of what it took to kind of get where they are just, you know, based just like kind of seeing their track record and things of that nature. So you know who to, you know, who to show interest in and who not to waste your time on. And so I think that's the, that's the one thing I do love about that, that, that platform, bro. But yeah, man, you could, you can, you can get with me on all three of those platforms, man. And Sincere. I'm always here. I love it. I love it, man. Well, look, man, I appreciate you dropping out of pod. We got to get you on again. This is fire. Can't wait for everybody to see it, man. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Have a good one. I appreciate it, man. It's all love. <laughs>